0: If you would turn with me today to hear the, the reading of, your, of God's word from Luke chapter 14. And beginning in verse 25. Now great multitudes were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and take counsel, whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else... While the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear you would turn now to second chronicles chapter 13 and beginning in verse 1 in the 18th year of king jeroboam abijah became king over judah he reigned 3 years in jerusalem and his mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah began the battle with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 chosen men. While Jeroboam drew up in a battle formation against him with 800,000 chosen men who were valiant warriors. Then Abijah stood on Mount Zimaram, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, and said, Listen to me, Jeroboam and all Israel. Do you not know that Yahweh, God of Israel, gave the rule over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his master. And worthless men gathered about him, scoundrels, who proved too strong for Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when he was young and timid and could not hold his own against them. So now you intend to resist the kingdom of Yahweh through the sons of David, being a great multitude, and having with you the golden calves which Jeroboam made for gods for you. Have you not driven out the priests of Yahweh, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made yourselves priests like peoples of other lands? Whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams, even he may become a priest of what are no gods." But as for us, Yahweh is our God, and we have not forsaken him, and the sons of Aaron are ministering to Yahweh as priests, and the Levites attend their work. Every morning and evening they burn to Yahweh burnt offering and fragrant fragrant incense, and the showbread is set on the clean table, and the golden lampstand with its lamps is ready to light every evening, for we keep the charge of Yahweh our God, but you have forsaken him. Now behold, God is with us at our head, and his priests with the signal of trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O sons of Israel, do not fight against Yahweh God of your fathers, for you will not succeed. But Jeroboam had set an ambush to come from the rear, so that Israel was in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. When Judah turned around, behold, they were attacked both front and rear, so they cried to Yahweh. And the priests blew the trumpets. Then the men of Judah raised a war cry. And when the men of Judah raised the war cry, cry, then it was that God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And when the sons of Israel fled before Judah, God gave them into their hand. And Abijah and his people defeated them with a great slaughter, so that 500,000 chosen men of Israel fell slain. Thus the sons of Israel were subdued at that time, And the sons of Judah conquered because they trusted in Yahweh, the God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and captured from him several cities, Bethel with its villages, Jeshaneah with its villages, Ephron with its villages. And Jeroboam did not again recover the strength in the days of Abijah, and Yahweh struck him and he died. But Abijah became powerful and took fourteen wives to himself and became the father of 22 sons and 16 daughters. Now the rest of the acts of Abijah and his ways and his words are written in the treatise of the prophet Idu. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and his son Asa became king in his place. The land was undisturbed for 10 years during his day. If you would join me on the back of the bulletin, and we'll read together Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. This is the word of the Lord. Let's
1: bow together in prayer. There is no God like you, Father, who humbles himself to behold the things of the heavens and the earth. And we thank you that you humble yourself to speak to us today. There is no God like you. Give us ears to hear. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Here's some words from Solomon My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do you believe that? Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Do you believe that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Do you believe that? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and turn away from evil. It will be healing. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Do you believe that? Honor Yahweh from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns. Will be filled with plenty and your vats with overflowing with new wine. Do you believe that? My son, do not reject the discipline of Yahweh or loathe his reproof. For whom Yahweh loves, he reproves. There we go. For whom he loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do you believe that. You see, I submit to you, the Church in America does not believe that. There's a case that began a year ago in West Lafayette, Indiana, in which the city council decided to enact an ordinance, it hasn't been voted on yet, that all licensed counselors could not use conversion therapy. Well, the truth of the matter is nobody uses conversion therapy today, but that is shorthand for saying you cannot counsel someone who is queer and say that they are wrong. You cannot counsel a gay person and say that that is sin and they should change their ways. You cannot counsel a lesbian and say to that gal, you are sinning. You must change your ways. This in West Lafayette, Indiana, the heartland of America. It's been taken up again. We shall see if it's voted on. If it's voted on and in this city, it will shut down Christian counseling. Unless you're licensed, but even then. And furthermore, it will shut down parental counsel because you're not licensed, and if you say to your child, these affections you have for the opposite sex are sin and you must put them away, you will be in legal violation of the ordinance of West Lafayette, Indiana, and you will be fined $1,000 a day until you desist and cease. Guess what? There's a queer on the council. She says, I hope you don't take this incorrectly. I'm not trying to change anyone's beliefs. Ha, ha, ha. I only want culture to change. Of course, this is the rule in Canada right now. And in uh, England... It is being voted on. If it makes it in one little town in Indiana, you can guess what's going to happen across the United States. Are you ready for the fight? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In that verse, Proverbs 3.5, there are two words that are translated trust in the Old Testament. The first in Proverbs 3.5 is the word trust. The second is translated lean. This word is a word that means to support something. It is a word that is used many times in Chronicles and it is a word that is used in connection with Judah and Abijah. So Jeroboam and Israel were subdued but Judah and Abijah conquered because they trusted in in Yahweh, God. They just bent over and leaned on God. And they said, you know what? All that you said through the Davidic covenant, we believe. This is your kingdom, O Yahweh. And David and his sons are your kings to sit on your kingdom's throne. And your person David set up the worship in the new temple and divided what the priests will do, the divisions of the priests and the divisions of the Levites. And your servant David, the king, started a Davidic revolution of liturgy, and wrote psalms, and wrote music, and this has become the hymn book of Israel. We believe it. And Yahweh, we are faced with a divided kingdom. We call ourselves Judah, they call themselves Israel. As a whole, we are Israel, 12 tribes. Your king. And these ten tribes in the north, they have decided to oust you. And so Jeroboam has created two golden calves, and he's put one in the north, and he's put one in the south to keep people from coming to Jerusalem to worship. And Jeroboam, the servant of Solomon, who rebelled against Rehoboam, this man has excluded the priests and the Levites in the ten northern tribes from serving Yahweh. And this Jeroboam, not the son of David, the son of Nabat, this Jeroboam, Has allowed anyone who will bring a bull and seven rams for an ascension offering to become priests for the two golden calves. We don't hold to that, Yahweh. We trust you. It's quite a story. Caleb's just read it to us. And the first problem in the story is just to think about the fact that uh, this is also found in Kings. In a shorter version, in Kings chapter 15, in 8 or 9 verses, this story is found. The problem is, in Kings, Rehoboam's son is named Abijam. In Chronicles, Rehoboam's son is named Abijah. In Kings and in Chronicles, just in two chapters before, the parent, the mother of Abijah, Abijem, is Makkah, the daughter of Absalom. In chapter 13, the chapter we're looking at, that is not ca- the case. Instead, Micaiah is the mother of Abijah, and the mother of Micaiah is Uriel. Now, in chapter 11, verse 20 of Second Corinthians, Rehoboam strengthened himself And he went and found himself some wives, 18 wives and 60 concubines. And he had some sons, and the sons are Lista, and Abijah is one of them, and the mother's name is Maka. But when you get to chapter 13, the mother's name is Micaiah. How do you figure that? then when you think about the story it is it is grandiose so a battle is set forth and it appears to me when you read the story that abijah is the one who is bringing the battle on and so jeroboam sets his troops up in battle array And this is taking place at the edge of the border between Judah and Israel. And it's taking place near this mountain Zerim, which means twin peaks. And so you get the picture that over by Bethel, here's a peak and over this way, there's another peak. And Abijah's standing over here, and Jeroboam's standing over here, and he's yelling across, and here are all these troops that are getting ready to fight. And over here with Abijah, you have 400,000 chosen valiant warriors. And over here with Jeroboam, you have 800,000 chosen valiant warriors. And when the battle is done, over here, 500,000 valiant warriors lie dead. I just set this up to show you something about writing. Some people aren't quite sure to do with this, and I'll have to confess that I'm making some assumptions when I say what I'm about to say, but I think you see that if a chronicler is writing first and second Chronicles, he's probably not going to make his mistake twice before he gets to chapter thirteen and call Abijah the son of Maka. And whoops, that was a mistake, and now it's Micaiah. No, he's doing something. He's making a point. Now Abijah or Abijim, is not a great fellow. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 15, we are told that he did not have a heart fully devoted to Yahweh like David. But because God wanted David to have a lamp in Jerusalem, Abijim, was tolerated. Then when you get to 2 Chronicles, it looks like Abijah hung the moon. He trusted. There are several things to consider, and truly, when it comes to 2 Chronicles, there is one main point. It's found in verse 18. Jeroboam and Israel were subdued. Now, parenthetically, the word subdued means humbled. That is the Hebrew word, humbled. When you gain a victory in the Old Testament, you humble your foes. Now they're subject to to you, they've been humiliated. Valiant warriors, don't look so valiant, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys were humiliated. Or was it those cheese hats? I can't remember which one was humiliated. The word humbled is the word that we've seen already, and here it is again today, at once translated subdued, at another time translated humbled. So when Abijah and Judah humbled themselves, they are saying, Yahweh, we are your subjects. We trust your word will do what you say. When Judah subdues them, they humble them. Now Israel is subject and has to do what Abijah says. Okay, so now let's just step back. Why is it all written this way? Well, it's written this way because all we've been seeing, that all through 1st and 2nd Chronicles, which is the last book of the Hebrew canon, the last book of the Old Testament, non Malachi, Chronicles is the last book, and it's written after the exile for a return to Israel, or maybe they've already returned, to look through the history of the nation of Israel, God's kingdom with Davidic kings, to say, all right, you failed, and you went into captivity. Now you've come back, you don't want to fail again. These people forsook the Lord as a whole, and these people were treacherous, unfaithful to the Lord as a whole and you don't want to forsake the Lord and you don't want to be treacherous. You don't want to be unfaithful. So here's a story written about Abijah. Abijah means Yahweh is my father. Well, of course, any Davidic, King in Israel, in Judah, could say that, couldn't they? Not Israel, in Judah. Because that is the Davidic covenant. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. I'm guessing, if you take these two names, that Rehoboam's son's real name is Abijam. But because of the story, now we're going to use Abijah. Yahweh is my father. Abijah means the ocean is my father. The sea is my father. Now, Abijah, 1 Kings chapter 15, did not have a heart that was fully dedicated to Yahweh. In other words, he was like his father Rehoboam. And the assessment was made, he did not set his heart to seek Yahweh. That's a baijim. And if you think of a C, what does it do? It's Whoa, you know, this kind of makes you see sick and it's up and it's down. Kind of like Ephesians chapter four, where certain men are given to the church to help us not to be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. And the church in America right now is, a they're Abijah. What we need people to be is Abijah. Yahweh is my father. Well now, Makkah, the daughter of Absalom, she does not come from a father who's got a great history. He tried to overthrow his own dad. So it would be fitting for a son to be named Abijam. When in his history, there's a man who's Absalom, who tried to overthrow David. Just here and there, tossed to and fro. Unstable, as we're going to learn in James, as Caleb teaches us, in all one's ways. Wow. <clears throat> now, when you come to 2 Chronicles chapter 13, as Caleb read it to us, Micaiah is the mother. It means, her name means, who is like Yahweh. Just what we opened with in Psalm one thirteen, who is Yahweh seated in the heavens? Who humbles himself to stoop to the things in the heavens and in the who is like Yahweh? And Micaiah's mother's name was Uriel, which means God. Is my light having that kind of mother you would expect a son named Abijah Yahweh is my father and truly in 2nd Chronicles chapter 13 Abijah is a great man but that's the problem in Chronicles you have these men that are Trusting, they're not trusting. Trusting, not trusting, not... And and they're good and they're bad. They're not fully devoted to the Lord like David was. Well, David did all the commandments, it says in 1 Kings chapter 15. Oh, except for that one with respect to Uriah the Hittite. And the word fully devoted, what do you think that word is? We've talked about it a lot in First Chronicles. That word is Solomon. Because Solomon's name means peace at rest. David was at rest with Yahweh God. Now, let's put that together. You come over here and you lean on somebody. That means you count on them. You depend on them. You rely on them. You like them. But when you don't lean, you stand back. Well, you're not so sure. David was a Solomon. He was at peace. He rested in Yahweh. In this one incident, because we don't know very much about Abijah, in this one incident, he rested in Yahweh. But according to kings, he did not have a heart that was a Solomon heart. He didn't generally rest in Yahweh. And we all of us, we know we can be like that, right? Because we we say, oh, yeah, 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 I trust Jesus. Well, what do you trust? I trust Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and he paid the penalty for my sins, and I am going to heaven. I'm good. I'm cool. Everything's okay because of Jesus. And then we turn right around and Jesus gives us a commandment and we disobey it. That is, we don't lean on Jesus. We don't really trust him. So, they're standing off of it. The battle's about to begin, and Abijah has some things to say. And Abijah's trust has a basis. And the basis has to do with the Davidic covenant, which is a covenant of salt. And the basis has to do with a priestly covenant, which is a covenant of salt. The covenant, the priestly covenant's not mentioned. But, not not here, but it's in, in Numbers chapter 18. And this goes back to the sacrifices. And in the sacrifices, the first sacrifice when you come to the temple, if you've sinned, is a sin offering then there are three that come first in leviticus they're mentioned together they they all belong together and the first is an ascension offering An ascension offering you take out the knife and the whole animal is skinned and then you cut it up and you stack it up and it goes up in smoke but not before there's a second offering and it's a grain offering and it's a tribute It's not a meal offering. It is grain, but it's called a tribute. That is, when you go see Yahweh God, you don't go empty-handed. You come with an offering. You're seeing the great king. We saw that in 2 Chronicles chapter 9 when uh, the, the queen of Sheba and other kings came to talk to Solomon, the greatest king. What did they do? They brought gifts. So when this, when this burnt offering is getting ready to go up and smoke, the priest puts on there a little of the grain offering, the tribute offering. And in that tribute offering, in that, well, it could be baked bread, it could be crushed grain, cooked in a griddle. Those are, there's salt. And so it's called a covenant of salt. You see, because this... Animals are going to go up to God, and this grain's going to be on top of it, which is your gift, and it's going to run up to God, and he's going to eat it. And just like you, he likes salty food. Then with it is also the peace offering. But we're not, we're not really going to talk about the peace offering. This is a covenant of salt. So Saul, I mean, excuse me, Abijah's trust comes first based on the covenant of David. So he he lectures, he lectures Jeroboam about what has happened. You, son of Nabat, you rose up against your master and you rebelled. Well, of course, this was a prophecy by, by a, a prophet sent by the Lord that this was going to be split. But it's true. Jeroboam was a slave, a servant of Solomon, and he rose up against Solomon in the person of Rehoboam and took the people away. Did they have the right to go away? No, because God had made a covenant with David that this is my kingdom and you will sit on my throne over my kingdom and your sons will sit there after you. And when God sits on a throne or puts his person there through whom he operates, the subjects don't have the right to say, oh no, no, I don't want you as king. You see, but that's what happens in Chronicles. Those who are even sitting on the throne, they forsake Yahweh. I don't want you as king. They're unfaithful to Yahweh. I don't want to do what you've called me to do. So the first thing that, that Abijah does is he lectures Jeroboam on the fact that he left as a slave. But that this is God's kingdom. So we think of the North and the South as two different nations. And in one sense that's true. But in another sense, that's not true. And this whole chapter is looking at Israel as one big whole. and that's the way it up. they are God's people. The North is just downright apostate, but they're God's. And they didn't have the right to do what they did. Because this kingdom was given to David to rule over. And David's sons. Now, let me just let you think about this. We had a reformation some 500 years ago And there was a split. And over here you have what we call the Roman Catholics, and over here you have what we call the Protestants. And there was a split. Now, we would say today the Roman Catholic Church is a Paul state. Right? But the Roman Catholic Church is not exactly like a pagan. In other words, the Roman Catholic Church names the name of Christ. They teach the Bible in certain fashions. We don't agree with a lot of. A lot of places, they're wrong. but that's why we call it Chrysostom. So in one sense, we're parallel to Judah and Israel. Judah. Followed the way of Yahweh. Israel just openly rebelled and erected other gods, but they're still God's kingdom. Protestants, let's just assume all Protestants are good. You know good and well they're not, right? Because we got all kinds of Protestant denominations in this country, and a lot of them are just as apostate, if not more apostate than the Roman Catholic Church. But let's just assume all Protestants are good. They follow the way of Yahweh. And Roman Catholics, they don't. But in the overarching scheme of God, this is his group of people in some sense. And we need another reformation that brings all together. This is the concern of Abijah. God gave the throne of his kingdom to David by a covenant of salt. And you've rebelled. Point one is, there is only one kingdom with one throne. And the throne belongs to David and to his sons. And it's Yahweh's throne. And you've resisted it. And you've forsaken it. Point two. You erected two gods and you got rid of all of the priests and the Levites that Yahweh had chosen. And in Numbers 18 19, you can look it up, we don't need to look it up now. A covenant was made with them as a covenant of salt, it's an enduring, friendly covenant with Aaron and his offspring. But what you did, Jeroboam, is you got rid of all of God's priests and Levites and you brought in your own priests and Levites. And in conjunction with that point, you notice, as Caleb read to us in chapter 13, we have a list of what they're doing in service of Yahweh, which this golden calf and that golden calf are getting some kind of service by people who make themselves priests. We don't know what kind of service it is. It's not mentioned here, but we know what what Abijah thinks because he he tells us. What he tells us is about two places in the central sanctuary. The first place is the bronze altar. Or sacrifice. Ascensions take place. But then he walks right inside of the first room and he talks about each piece of furniture. We are guarding what's been entrusted to us, Jeroboam, and you're not. How are we guarding? Well, these priests, they change the showbread every week. What showbread do you have? These priests they offer sweet incense on the insult incense altar. These priests they trim the lamps so that they 're ready every night to be lit. You see he 's talking about this 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 worship, this service that was set up, and when the priests go through the process of the ministry. It is a way that God is being served by his people. We've kept this, you've forsaken this. Then Abijah comes to a warning. And he says to them, don't you think that you can resist Yahweh God? It's not going to happen. So don't fight Yahweh. In other words, if you fight us, you're fighting Yahweh. And we have over here priests who've been given trumpets of alarm. And we have 400,000 men who will cry out to Yahweh. Against you. So you got, you got Jeroboam listening to all this. Scheming at the same time. So over here is Israel. And over here is Judah. And he takes half his troops. Well, Abijah is talking. And he sneaks them around to the other side. So now Judah's caught between two armies. And what happens? Just exactly what Abijah said would happen. The people ushered a great cry to Yahweh, a war cry, and the trumpets blew like they did at Mount Sinai. And what happened? The captain of the host came, called the head. The captain of the host came and he routed Jeroboam's army. And when he routed them, there's all these deaths, and most people think these numbers are inflated, that it couldn't possibly be that high. I don't know for sure. I, I tend to think they're inflated too, because I think the story is written to, to celebrate this one incident in Abijam's life where he trusted in Yahweh. So the story's told a little differently, accounts for the mother's name change and, and so forth. Anyway, God routed them, and then Abijah was able to take three cities. And one of those cities was Bethel with all of its villages. And Bethel's what? Well, that's the house of worship for one of the golden calves. So Yahweh has defeated the no-gods. He took them captive. That's the story with the punchline. So Israel and Jeroboam were subdued. They were humbled. I mean, they didn't just lose by three points. They lost by 500,000 dead bodies. But judah well they conquered why because they were great well they were mighty men of valor but they weren't that great is it because the captain of the host came and routed them why because abijah my father is yahweh leaned on yahweh Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your way, acknowledge Him and He'll make your paths. Ah, how to translate it? Maybe right. Friends, we need to take a closer look at our Bible and say, do I believe that? Because the Bible has a storyline. And for a good number of years, at least for my whole life, the evangelical church in America has not been following that. In other words, we've looked at God's word and uh, we said, "Mm, think I'll lean a little this way and a little that way, but certainly, Lord, I don't think I can fully lean on you. So, I'm gonna go back to a soapbox from Genesis chapter one. Verse 28. So God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. When I came to McKinney Bible Church, there were four elders. Uh, I was coming to teach, so I was replacing the teaching elder who was leaving. One of the elders uh, had some children, and he, uh, well, I don't remember exactly how old he was then. Old enough to have more children, and he had had a vasectomy. And he came to the conclusion that that was wrong, that he should have had more children. Well, he did have some more children. Turned out to be by adoption, but he had more children. You see, the church in America has been following the American dream for a long time and not the word of God. We've used certain verses to get around certain things. By the way, I'm not saying birth control is a sin. Don't don't take that from here. But it can be. Uh, We've taken certain things like Matthew chapter 28, going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. And we think, well, here was the Old Testament over here with Genesis 128, and that's a different era now. We're over here in this era, so being, being a family subduing the earth is not what we're up to now, because after all, it's just about evangelism. We go out and teach people to trust in Christ. He died for their sins, and you'll go to heaven. That's not the storyline of the Bible. No, there's a kingdom. And David was put on the throne. And David's line rebelled and forsook and were unfaithful. And so the kingdom went into captivity. And then came the son of David. And the kingdom was inaugurated. And the king is sitting on the throne at the right hand of the father and he is subduing all of his enemies. And he's doing it so in so very many ways. And one of the ways is for his people to obey. Our young people today are not being taught get married and have a good family. Our young people are being taught, well, you know, make sure you have a good education so you can take care of yourself. Well, of course, having a good job is important. But suddenly, young men aren't getting married till 30 or beyond, and young women aren't getting married until they can only have a few kids because we have another priority. And we think somehow, well, we're doing what the Great Commission says by evangelizing. And I'm telling you, we're not doing that. And you just look around and what's happening in our culture. Do you know what poetic justice is? Poetic justice is you get what you deserve. So when Adam disobeyed, what did he get? He was to be in charge. Instead, the dust suddenly had charge of him. And Eve, what did she get? She was supposed to submit, but now when she submits, it hurts her like crazy, and not only that, she's got an inner appetite to rule her husband. Poetic justice. We wake up and we're surprised about what's going on in our country, and it's even made its way into the evangelical church, but of course we've been working at this for 50, 60, 70 years. Years, because we've decided what Genesis 1, 28 says doesn't apply today. And it does. And so just as Adam and Eve mixed up gender, he took her part. He was submissive. She took his part, thrust the fruit at him. So what's going on in our country and in the church is all related to man's creation. We just don't want to be what God made us to be, men and women. But here at NBC, let's repent of that And let's be what God made us to be, men and women. And let's just take the scriptures for what they say. Man is the head of his wife, and the woman is called to submit. How about it? You agree with it? Say amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this uh, record in 2 Chronicles chapter 13 of Abijah, who all in all was not a very good man, but he had one moment in his life that was a significant moment where he leaned on you. But in the overall assessment of Scripture, his heart wasn't a fully leaning heart. And that's what we want. We want Solomon hearts, hearts that are at rest. And we just look at your word and we say, that's right. And we'd lean on you to help us fulfill it. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.